Happy 2022 to all of you. I'm Reverend Rebecca Duke Barton, the pastor of Jessup First United Methodist Church. This is Baptism of the Lord Sunday on the church calendar. So before we start, why don't you go get some water near you? At the end of the sermon, you'll have a chance to remember your baptism. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 43. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Sebia in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. big year for us at Jessup First United Methodist Church. We are 150 years old. We've been renovating our sanctuary too, and that will be finished this week. So I'm looking forward to beginning our 150th year of serving the Lord in Jessup. As we begin this year, I'm thinking about coming home. We're coming back home in the sanctuary. We plan to have a big homecoming in September. This year, the gospel of Luke is the gospel that will guide us as we tell the story of Jesus. And so many stories in Luke are about coming home to God. The church calendar follows the life of Jesus, and this week is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. It strikes me that baptism is about coming home. It's God claiming us as his own and putting his name on us. Baptism is a sign and a seal that we belong to God. So in the Gospel of Luke, we started at Advent and went through Christmas and Epiphany Sunday. We've gone from his birth to his presentation in the temple. And then that one story about Jesus at 12 years old and my, how quickly they grow because now Jesus is 30 years old and he's about to begin his public ministry. So let's read our gospel from Luke chapter three, beginning at verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff will burn away with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting John up in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. 
with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The passage we read this morning begins with these words. As the people were filled with expectation, they are waiting for the Messiah. They thought it might be John, but he redirected them and pointed to Jesus. Now that's a whole sermon in itself right off the bat. But I hope that you're coming filled with expectation, filled with the thought that God is going to speak to you today. Shall we pray? Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit in us and among us that we might hear the word that you have for us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. John said that he baptized with water, but he said the one you're waiting for is coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, John's baptism dealt with past sin, things that people had done wrong. But the baptism that Jesus brings in is about breaking the power of sin, that sin with a capital S. In the baptism that Jesus brings in, we are truly and completely changed. The baptism that Jesus brings in with the Holy Spirit is about becoming fully sanctified. Now, for those of you who like to play with language, let's talk about the word baptize for a minute. We've made it into a church word, but it really is about something being dipped in a liquid. A Greek poet and physician named Nicander, who lived about 200 years before John the Baptist, used the word in a recipe for making pickles of all things. So he said that there was a two-step process. A vegetable should first be dipped bapto in boiling water and then dipped again baptizo in the vinegar solution now that's interesting because the first use makes the vegetable clean but it's only temporary dipping it in the vinegar solution makes for a permanent change you never go back to being a cucumber if you've become a pickle Now, that's kind of a funny image, but it helps us see that baptism with the Holy Spirit brings a real change in us. It's not just about who we've been and what we've done. It's about who we will become as we are dying and rising with Christ. That's what John was talking about when he was describing the baptism in Christ with the Holy Spirit. He was describing what it would look like. He's talking about a winnowing fork and the chaff burning away. What he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is going to blow through us in the waters of baptism, just like the wind, and take away all the chaff, all of the sin, and burn it away. And it leaves only the grain. It leaves only the image of God, the way that God meant for us to have it. Jesus came to the Jordan River. He was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and he heard these words from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That's a good start to his public ministry. Everyone needs to hear that they are beloved. And it's a public acknowledgement, a public announcement that he belongs to God. 
Remembering Jesus's baptism helps us learn something about the meaning of our own baptism. You see, for Jesus, baptism wasn't about washing away sin. He was sinless. But baptism is about identity. It is about God claiming him as God's beloved son. God is well pleased with him. God favors him. Do you remember what the angels said in their carol on the first Christmas? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for those whom God favors. The angels were already indicating to us what would be the truth revealed in our baptism. That we are brought in with Jesus to become the people that God favors. The people with whom God is pleased. When we are baptized in the name of Jesus, that becomes our identity too. Baptism teaches us who we are. We are God's beloved children. We belong to God's family. And baptism is a tangible sign of that. Baptism is God's work in reaching out to us. You see, it's first and foremost God's action and the unconditional promises of God. We heard those in Isaiah. I have called you by name and you are mine. God said he would pay any ransom to redeem his people because God said you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. Those promises that he made through Isaiah are fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in our waters of baptism. Baptism is God's gift to us as he claims us as part of the covenant and claims us as his own. Our family visited the chapel United Methodist Church in Brunswick last week. Jay Hansen is the preacher, and he's preaching his way through the Bible this year. Read it through in 22, he told his congregation. So since it was the first week of the year, he started in Genesis 1. And he pointed out something to us that I've heard before, but it was a good reminder. You see, even preachers need to go to church. God created humans on day six. Creation was almost complete. And then day seven came. And what did God do? He rested. And that's what he expected the humans to do as well, to rest on the Sabbath. You see, he gave the Sabbath as a gift to the humans he had created. That means Sabbath wasn't about making Adam and Eve work hard first, and then they get to rest because they've earned it. No, Sabbath is a gift from God, a day to spend with God, to bask in his glory, a day to know who we are in Christ. Well, baptism is like that too, because it's a gift from God, a gift given before we could have done anything to earn it. Methodist churches, like so many others, see baptism as a sacrament, that it's God's initiative to us. And that it's a gift. Now, I understand churches that support believers' baptism. But for churches that believe in baptism as a sacrament, the focus is more about God moving to us rather than us moving toward God. You see, with believers' baptism, baptism becomes about you making a choice for God. Now, listen. Methodists believe that you need to choose God. That's why we have confirmation. 
It's just that we believe we can only choose God because God made the way. We see baptism as a sacrament that God's moving toward us, that God's giving us his grace, that he's claiming us and that he's sanctifying us through the waters of baptism. David Luz writes this about infant baptism. There can be no greater symbol of baptism as a gift from God than bringing babies to the font. Babies who have not particularly done anything for or against God. Actually, most babies haven't done anything at all except eat, sleep, and gurgle. Utterly passive in the face of God's grace, infants remind us that all we can do is receive God's love with gratitude and try to live as the persons we've been called. Isn't that beautiful? That's from his What is Baptism? So what we learn from the baptism of Jesus is that baptism is about God claiming us as his own. And because this is God's work, it only needs to be one time. We only need to be baptized once because this is God's initiative to us, bringing us into the covenant. And it always is effective. And the thing is, because we know that, we can live in confidence that nothing can take away our baptism. You see, nothing is going to turn us away from becoming that pickle. Your other relationships may be fragile sometimes, but this one, this assurance from God through your baptism, it's solid. Dr. Fred Craddock used to tell a story that helps us understand about how God has chosen us. Dr. Craddock was the preaching professor at Candler for years. He and his wife, Nettie, were vacationing in the Smoky Mountains. They went to a restaurant and saw a man going around shaking hands with every person. He made them think of a politician. Well, he got to the Craddock's table and started asking who they were, what Fred did for a living, at that point, he was a preacher in Cherry Log. When he found out what Dr. Craddock did, he said, Have I got a story to tell you? The friendly stranger told them he was born in these mountains to an unwed mama. And people talked. There was a lot of shame associated with that. Boys at school had names for him, though he tended to use his fist to get back at those boys. But he started going to a little church in Laurel Springs, pastored by a large, bearded, big-voiced preacher. The boy would slip in just for the sermon and sneak out before anybody could corner him and bring more shame about the fact that his daddy wasn't around. But one Sunday, he got stuck in crowded aisles, and he couldn't get out in time. Well... At the end of the aisle was the preacher. He tried to slip by, but the preacher grabbed him. And the preacher looked at him and he said, I know whose child you are. You are a child of God. I see a striking resemblance. The boy looked up with surprise as the preacher said, Go, claim your inheritance. 
Both Craddock and his wife had tears in their eyes as the friendly stranger finished his story by saying, I was born that day. Dr. Craddock asked the man's name as he rose to go and to shake a few more hands, and the man said, Ben Hooper. If you were to Google Ben Hooper's name, you'd discover that Ben Hooper was twice elected governor of Tennessee. He was instrumental in the establishment of Smoky Mountain National Park. When Fred Craddock realized who he was and the way that that story, that the gospel had changed his life and he had claimed his inheritance in a mighty way, Fred Craddock would say, Ben Hooper had told me a story. No, Ben Hooper told me the story. I can almost hear the voice of God echoing over Jesus. You are my son, the beloved, and you I am well pleased. And the thing about baptism is that Jesus invites us in with him. In your baptism, God has claimed you as part of his covenant community. He's made you his own. He's called you beloved. And no one can take that away. If you pass through the water, I will be with you. You are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. And so our baptismal calling is to live as the children of God who have claimed our inheritance. Brett Younger writes this, people who are baptized are to live a different life. They tell the truth in a world that lies, give in a world that takes, love in a world that lusts, make peace in a world that fights, serve in a world that wants to be served and pray in a world that waits to be entertained. Do you hear it, friends? The power of sin is broken in your baptism and you are freed to live in joyful obedience through the rest of your life because you know who you are. You're a child of God. If you've got some water there with you, cup your hands. Pour some water into your hands. Feel that water. Know that it washes clean. It sustains us. It refreshes us. Through the waters of baptism, God has claimed you. And he says these words to you. If you pass through the water, I will be with you. You are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. Remember your baptism and be thankful.